1: The word koinonia, it meant something more along the lines of like two brothers that have been in a war together. They've stood shoulder to shoulder or back to back fighting a common enemy. They've spilled blood together. They've struggled together. They've suffered together. And they have learned together that they can depend on each other.
0: And that's the kind of trust level that God intends His church to display toward each other. But in the scripture passage that Pastor Robert's teaching from, the early church was still figuring those things out. They did, however, have the framework for this new society given to them by Jesus. You'll hear about that today. Stick around after today's message from Pastor Robert. I have quite a bit of information that I'd like to share with you. Our web address, podcast, subscription information, and our contact information. Now here's Pastor Robert in the Book of Acts, Chapter 2, as he continues his message, continuing in Koinonia.
1: word fellowship for most of us it just means hanging out you know we're just gonna go in the in the cafe get a cup of coffee. maybe we'll spend half an hour together shooting the breeze probably superficial conversation and we call that fellowship well that's not koinonia that's not koinonia because I, I don't even have to let you know the real meaning you know I had a conversation just earlier this morning with somebody in the cafe hey how you doing and I said well You want me to answer that or just give you the, I'm fine. Because that's what we usually do, right? It's all good, man. I'm blessed and highly favored. Really? Well, no, my dog got run over by a truck and my grandma died and my wife left me. But other than that, man, I'm blessed and highly favored. Do you understand? We play games with each other. Well, that's not fellowship. And it's definitely not koinonia. You see, the word koinonia, it meant something more along the lines of like two brothers that have been in a war together. They've stood shoulder to shoulder or back to back fighting a common enemy. They've spilled blood together. They've struggled together. They've suffered together. And they have learned together that they can depend on each other. It's a deep spiritual bond. Now, like I said, it's translated in different ways. And the majority of the time in the New Testament, the word koinonia is translated fellowship. But in Romans 15, 26, Paul actually used that word koinonia in reference to the financial contribution that the Roman church had made to the Christians in Jerusalem. The word contribution in Romans 15, 26 is the word koinonia. Then later, in 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17, he wrote about communion. He said the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? But see, the word is koinonia. The word that's translated communion right there, it's koinonia. Let me read you another passage that I believe describes it. The word is not used in this passage, but I believe it's a description of the concept of koinonia. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 22 says, He Himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made both one. He's talking about Jew and non Jew. He's made both Jew and non Jew one. He has broken down the middle wall of separation having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two thus making peace now the separation that he's talking about is between the jew and every other ethnic group on the planet you understand that we all get lumped in together. Anybody in the room Jewish? Anybody? Okay, so all of us, every single one of, I don't care what shade you are, I don't care what country you came from, I don't care what language your grandmama spoke, I don't, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. He said all the rest of us are lumped into that one category and we've been made one with the Jews. That's what he's saying right there. That's what the Bible says. Jesus... Brought us together, making us one in him. He says, he came and preached peace to you who are far off and to those who are near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the father. See, this is a description of koinonia. If you love and follow Jesus, well, then we're one at a level Of spirit, it's at a level of being. Because he's put his spirit into both of us. We're joined. Now, therefore, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. That's why I talk about Jesus giving people a seat at the table, making people part of his family. Because the Bible says when he puts his spirit inside you, when your sins are forgiven and he makes you alive in Christ, he does that, the Holy Spirit does that by moving in. So now he inhabits me, he's making me alive, and he inhabits you, he's making you alive. We're connected at a very foundational level, deeper than the cellular level, spiritual level. He says your fellow citizens with the saints members of the household of God having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit You and I are being built together he says koinonia. Activity number three that I want you to notice from verse 42 there, Acts 2.42, it says the believers were spending time together every day breaking bread. Again, verse 46 says they were going from house to house. They were breaking bread together. You see, they had koinonia at the level of the Spirit, and it made them want the fellowship. It made them want to break bread together. They needed to share some meals. They needed time with other believers. They wanted connection. People can be taught in classrooms, but koinonia is not going to happen in a classroom. Real discipleship is not going to happen in a classroom. Not unless you bring in like a truckload of pizza, and then maybe. Seriously, because when people have a meal together, When you actually sit down together, whether it's on a blanket at the beach or in the park at a picnic table, back here in the cafe or in a restaurant or whatever, when you sit down on a regular basis and have meals together, the facades come apart. They come apart. It doesn't take very long when you start sharing meals together. For that unconscious wall that we all kind of put up between ourselves and other people. It begins to crumble when you start breaking bread together, especially if you do it in the person's home. You understand? I don't bring many people into my house, invite people over. Never have. There are a couple of reasons for that. Our house is tiny. We don't have a kitchen table. It's not big enough for a kitchen table. With the grandkids, Elizabeth got one of these little you know, like a card table kind of a thing for toddlers. It's like that big with a couple of little toddler chairs. Because we haven't had a kitchen table, dining table, whatever you want to call it. We haven't had that for 20 years. The house is tiny. There's no room for it. That's one reason. The other reason is, to be quite honest, I don't want everybody in the whole world to know where I live. That's just me. I mean, I've always been real transparent with you guys about the fact that I'm a private person, right? But it's something God convicted me about. Now, ironically, we have literally moved several people in to live with us over the years. That's different for me.